Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. you bless you bless you for what you've done in the course of this service this has been an amazing service it's been powerful refreshing and we pray as we go into your word you will speak to us you will minister to us you will challenge us you will rebuke us where we need rebuke you will encourage us where we need encouragement and above all we will be blessed in jesus name amen and amen today i'm going to continue a message series that I started. We paused on it, and we started talking about my COVID-19 diary uh, before we went into the about two weeks of uh, about addressing the issue of racial injustice. Uh, so I did message on that, and, uh, you know, we did a panel discussion on that, and last week we had the Father's Day, uh, you know. So we, I want to kind of at least address that a little bit. Uh, before we move on to something else. Uh, in the next week or two, I'm going to start a message series that I believe God has been giving me for a while about dreams, you know, and I believe that uh, about, you know, using the life of Joseph, uh, which I believe God has for us. But today I want to address one more area at least, uh, you, know, you know, from lessons from this pandemic. Uh, in future, maybe we can return back to it. Uh, and today I want to talk about what I call underlining conditions, underlining conditions. Uh, if you've been watching, I'm sure you've heard that before. Uh, you know, one of the terminologies, medical terminologies I learned in the course of this is the word comorbidities, right? You know, comorbidities. Uh, you know, I'm sure you read an headline that's, you know, let me give you two headlines that, I, that will really uh, put that in your in your face. Number one, almost ninety percent of hospital admissions involve comorbidities. All right, almost ninety percent. That's an headline. There's another headline that says over eighty-six percent of reported COVID nineteen deaths involve at least one comorbidities. Uh, this one one is from CDC, one from uh, New York Department of Health. Uh, Comorbidity simply means uh, uh, other factors. Simply means other factors or or, or one or more diseases or conditions that occur along with another condition in the same person at the same time. All right? It simply means most of the people affected more uh, critically and most of the death really Involve with involve people with comorbidities. Simply mean underlining health conditions. So they have other conditions in their life. So COVID nineteen just added to that. So almost ninety percent. Uh, so if there was no, if we if we live in a perfect world where there was no comorbidity, coronavirus would not have been an issue at all. We won't even have to worry about that. 
but we don't live in a perfect world. Uh, so coronavirus was a storm that added to a lot of challenges that people were already having in their bodies. All right. And that is why it is it became a major problem that we've had. Uh, so can you imagine that? So when I was thinking about this, I all of a sudden thought about Matthew chapter seven, Matthew chapter seven from uh, I will read a few verses there. And I think uh, that will form the basis of some of the things I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to read verse 24 and 25 then 26 and 27. It's describing two different scenarios here, two different situations uh, with some variables. The first scenario is, therefore, whoever hears this saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, nor for it was founded on a rock. So we see, you know, he said this man, all right, built his house on a rock, and rain descended, floods came, and the wind blew, beat on the house. The house did not fall because he was on the rock. Let's look at the second uh, one. But everyone who hears this saying of mine and does not do them, we be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the flood came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. So you look at two different people here uh, with two different scenarios. One of them, they both built a house. So they both built their houses. One chose to build it on a rock uh, to build on a rock simply means you dig a little deeper until you hit a rock. Uh, because generally there's rock underground. Or you found a piece of land that is rocky, all right, that is more a rock or stone, and you decided to build there. The other person went to a place where it is relatively easier. You know, it's just sand. It's easy to dig. Uh, or maybe didn't dig deep enough to hit rock, and decided to build it. So both of them built their houses, uh, you know, so we can say. And both of them experienced the same challenges, the same calamity, you know. There was, you know, uh, there was rain, there was flood, there was wind. Exact same situation they were faced with. Uh, but they had two different, they have two different outcomes. In one case, the house stood Nothing happened because it was on the rock. In another case, the house fell down and collapsed, and it says, great was the fall. If you look at this, you see that the reason for the fall of this house wasn't just because the rain, the flood of the wind and the wind. You know, I mean, somebody looking at it on the surface can say, oh, the house fell. You know, somebody that wasn't there when they were building Somebody that didn't know the rest of the story would just say, oh, my God. Oh, there was a rain. There was a flood. There was a wind. He hit that house, and that house fell. You know, that's what we'll see, apparently. But from this story, the real reason why the second house fell was because of the underlying condition. 
is the underlining condition are not always visible to people. It's because the underlining condition was weak, all right? The house was built on sand, and therefore it fell. So sometimes in our life, the reason for a fall, the reason for, you know, for error, for falling, really, is really not about the challenges we are facing right now. It is much more about the underlining condition. That's something we learned from here, right? Uh, you know, there was, a, there was an underlining condition that was already happening and that caused this house to fall. Because we see that both houses experience the same challenge. Both houses experience the same uh, attack. The rain, the wind, I mean the rain, the floods, the wind. Both of them experience the exact same thing. You know, what is different is their underlining condition. It's, it's really, you know, another thing you, you I want, point I want to bring out is what contributed to the fall happened long before. Did you see that? It happened long before the fall itself. Long before the rain, the flood, and the wind what really, really caused this flow for, right? You know, happened long ago. We don't know how long the houses have been built, maybe five years, maybe 10 years, you know. We don't know, but it's been built for a while. So what really caused this, what is really responsible for the fall of this house, you see that happened long before. So when a fall happened, all right, when something happened, sometimes we are, we are quick to look at the immediate factor, right? But the immediate factor are not necessarily what is responsible. What is responsible might have happened long before. You know, it would just need us to take a look a little deeper before we find it out. And that's something we must learn from this story. And for us, I think it should let us know that choices we make or we have made before, or even we can say choices we are making today, you know, as we are, we are, you are watching me now because you made a choice to be here, can have significant consequences in our future, on our future. It's very important that choices we make, you know, and sometimes we make choices based on the immediate convenience. You know, sometimes... We make choices based on, you know, because it's easier now. Because in the short term, it looks like it is, it is a wise thing to do. Uh, and I think we should think deeper. Jesus is trying to let them know here that when you are making choices about life, right? You are making choices, and many of you will make choices. You make choices about career, about marriage, about life, about church, about you know, whether to do this, whether to do that. It is always good to know that those choices, they always have far-reaching consequences well into the future. Do you know it is possible that the decision to build on a sand actually looked smarter when they were making that decision? Because the person that built on a sand uh, had reasons Right? Had reasons. There was a reason he chose to say, you know what, 
I'm not going to go through what these other guys going through. I'm not going to, you know, probably because it is cheaper. Maybe land is cheaper, you know, where, you know, it is sand. Uh, it is actually, you know, easier to build on the sand, much easier. Uh, it is, you know, you, 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 so because it's easier, it costs less in terms of labor, in, in terms of timing, you know. It's going to take you longer time to do all the digging, all right, to be able to build it on a rock. So it is actually possible that that decision for a while or for a long time actually looked like it's smart, Right? And the person would say, you know, after five years, after, you know, you know what, you know, see now, all those efforts. You know, sometimes life is like that. That people who are paying the price now, in fact, the other guy that is building on a rock, maybe after a year, two years, might even be saying, I don't know why I wasted my time, you know, doing all those digging. It's been five years now. Maybe the engineer that advised him to build it on a rock, he, went, he, he met him, he said, all your advice, I just spent all my money. And really, look at the other guy. They didn't do much. We're still in the same situation. So that could be, if you cannot play it, that could have been the situation for a while until the rain came, the flood came, the wind came. And we now see the difference. So I think it's very important to say, we are creating our underlining condition for ourselves based on choices we make, based on how we are living now. Hallelujah. And Jesus connected this directly to our attitude to the word of God. So I have a question for you. How are you building your life now? What choices are you making, especially as regarding the word of God? Many of us, we're very casual. We don't take it as serious. By the time it's Wednesday Bible study, we're probably going to have one third of the people here on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, we dig deep. I've been teaching on the book of Colossians. I'm sure you got the notice. I'm sure you're aware of it. For some of you, it's not a big deal. I don't, I'm, I don't need that dig, dig down. Because one thing about life is when we want to do something, we do it. All right? If you want to do something, you do it. If you want to be there, it's online. You don't have to travel. Just say, get your Bible and read. Those are ways you are building your life. All right? That's, those are ways to say, let's study the book of Colossians together. We're going to go in depth. That's, that is for you. That is to build your life. For some of you, you say, I don't need that. What, what, what does that have to do with anything? What does that, how does that help me? How does that help me to live life? How does that help me to make money? How does that help me to do every other thing? Sometimes our mind deceives us to think, how does, what does that? Because building on a solid ground is not a pretty thing. It's not an easy thing. It's not always fun. All right? It's not always fun. All right? So I want to challenge you. How are you building your life? What is your attitude toward the word of God? Jesus directly tied this to hearing the word and doing the word. You see, doing the word doesn't even happen unless there is hearing, processing, meditating, 
right? And the word of God becoming part of you. The reason why people are not able to do <laughs> is really because they haven't processed the word. And you never know when you're going to need it. Oh, we, we studied Philippians, we're studying a Colossians. Somebody did, uh, they can keep did something a few weeks ago. We're going to do many other things. You know, because you don't see the immediate benefit, you just say, you know what, it's not as important. Let me go do something that gives me more benefit now. And that's, what, and that's how we make decisions in life. Decisions of friendship, decisions of what we do, how we spend our time. We just look for something that fulfills us now. We're not always thinking of the future. Of course, because the future is not predictable. But you have to trust God who owns the future. And he has told us, this is how you build so you can withstand the storm that comes in the future. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm going to give us some key lessons, you know, uh, you know and we're going to try and wrap this up. Uh, on, you know, because I'm talking about lessons on uh, my, you know, um, uh, on, from coronavirus, from the pandemic. You know, spiritual lessons from COVID-19. Uh, so as regards to this, number one, we all have underlining conditions. <laughs> all right? And I'm talking about spiritual underlining conditions. So we are, we are planning to the things of the spirit. Most of us have, all of us rather, have some underlining conditions. And I would liken that to our weaknesses. All right? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked for us. This is acknowledging that all of us, we have things in our life that hinders us. We have sinful nature. We have what is called a sinful nature. So we all have it. We carry about with you know, a product of a sinful Adamic nature, we like to call it. In, in Romans chapter 7, Apostle Paul talks about this in, you know, I don't have time. You know, this way, Romans chapter 7, we, we can be two hours of teaching. But it's something that he talks about. There's an underlying factor in all of us that prevents us from really doing what we want to do. In that he said the things I want to do, I found myself doing what I didn't want to do. Uh, and the law of God, even though the law of God is holy, uh, but there is something in me. There is something inside of me, you know, that is really forcing me or predisposing me to just make choices that are inconsistent with God. All right? So we all have underlining conditions that... We must deal with as believers. And it's very important, very, very important to recognize that. Our failure to deal with our underlying condition is, leads us to poorer outcome in life. Many of us, our failure. 
to really deal with what uh, what is your underlying con it is yours you know anger problem for example and you see that you know if you look at someone like Moses Moses always had anger issue Moses has always had anger issue and you saw that from his life he saw two people uh, uh one day Moses went out and he saw an Egyptian and an Israelite you know they were fighting and Moses went and hit the other person and killed him i mean for you to be able to kill somebody you must have some tendency for anger and violence and Moses uh and God said you know i know you want to do my will but i don't think you are ready you know so he ran away basically God sent him to the wilderness for 40 years 40 years went by Moses came God used him but that underlying condition was still there. Do you notice that it was his anger that eventually prevented him from getting to the promised land. You see you can go and look at the life of everyone, many great people in the Bible who made errors and or catastrophic error is because they had certain underlying conditions that they did not deal with all right uh so it's very important failure to deal with our underlying condition always make the storm of life and that's what happened in this house right failure the underlying condition make the outcome of the storm worse than it should be and many of us that's why we have challenges that we have in life that's why challenges come it gets worse that's why we think somebody is in faith you know something happened to them boom they are gone you're like wow somebody that is leading prayer somebody that is this powerful somebody that is this boom they are gone and we should always watch that some of us is pride maybe is anger problem maybe you lack patience now maybe some of you attitude issue that you have not fixed uh, and some of you and you will know you will know because you will see a recurring theme people will have mentioned it to you people will have told you but you refuse you say no you say no is everybody's fault no your failure to deal with your underlying issue is really really a dangerous thing and you won't know until the storm came the rain the flood the wind uh, you know that's that, that's why we must by the help of the holy spirit by you know spiritual counsel by listening to people who are over you by seeking help by praying we must seek to deal with issues that are underlying conditions in our life so that they don't become our undoing especially when we move on in life the earlier we deal with them the better some things are actually a lot easier to deal with when we're a lot younger you know as we go older it becomes more difficult to deal with some of these things and i pray the lord will give you wisdom in jesus name amen now sometimes we don't know our underlying condition hallelujah until we are tested <laughs> sometimes we don't know and i believe that god allow uh challenges of life to to reveal us god allows small challenges you know as we go through life 
God allows us to go through small challenges to reveal our weakness to us. The problem is most times we ignore it. Most times we say, oh, no, 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 no. We blame everybody. I mean, if you see yourself, for example, always having fight. Everybody, every relationship you've been in and it's the pattern. Always, you know, your tendency, your tendency is just to blame everybody. Oh, they never understood me. Every church I've been to, nobody understands me. They don't know how I walk. They don't know. They just don't appreciate the grace of God over my life. Uh, you know, so you've been to five churches over the last five years. And it's because they don't appreciate the grace of God over your life. Or you've been fired practically for almost the same reason for your last three or four jobs. But it's the problem of those bosses. If those bosses can really work with me, if they really understand that, you know, to work with me is, it takes something. You need to really, you are the problem. All right? So you, you just have to look at the mirror and say, you know, well, what is wrong with me? God help me to deal with this. Or you need to ca- find people, you know, who are wise, who are, you know, spiritual leaders and say, can you just be frank with me? What is, what is wrong with me? Uh, but because people don't do that these days, people even see something, something wrong in people, you know what we do? We keep quiet. Because if we tell you, you're going to be mad, you're going to be angry, you're going to go all over the place, you're going to say they are judging me, you know, we've missed, you know, the, the word judge is being so abused and misused. You try to correct people, you say you're judging me, don't judge me. No, no, that's, 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 that's a, that's, that's spiritual manipulation, you know, that, that we engage in, all right, it's actually a form of witchcraft or manipulation to just stop people from really telling you the truth. It's like a way of saying, you know, you're judging me. Don't tell me that I'm like, don't tell me this. Don't tell. No, let's, there are people that should judge you. <laughs> Bible even says we should judge prophecies, right? You know, if people are prophesying. I mean, Bible says two or three people should judge it. So the word judgment can, means different things under certain circumstances. Yeah, we try to, Jesus said, do not judge, but you have to, exp, you have to understand what he's saying there. All right? He said in the, in the context of don't judge or you will be judged, how, how do you have a log in your eyes, right? A plank in your eyes and you are seeing uh, the speck in somebody's eyes. So Jesus is talking about people who are fat, uh, fault finders who have the same fault or bigger fault and trying to. But, Jesus, but the Bible says a spiritual person judges all things. If you're a spiritual person, you must be able to judge. Judge means to distinguish between right and wrong. So that is a, the simple form of it. To be able to distinguish between right and wrong is ju- you know, it's a simple it's judgment. But you can take it to be, to be very where you find fault when you have the same fault. That's what Jesus is discouraging. So it's important to not misuse some of those words. But if you're always, you know, always having issues, always the one angry, always this, you better face the mirror and know that because this is going to hurt you. And I've seen so many people in the course of my life whose progress have been limited, hindered, because they have certain underlying condition that is preventing. Not because they are not skillful, not because they don't have some talent, you know, not because they don't have things, but they have certain attitude 
but they have inoculated themselves from being spoken to by others. And they lose the opportunity to grow, to deal with that weakness so they can move on in their life. So you are always going from storm to storm, always falling apart, always collapsing. That is not the will of God for you. But you have the power to face it in Jesus' name. Amen. So sometimes we don't know until we are tested. And you look at your pattern of test and see how you have been doing to find out. The Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. All right? So you... You know, when you, when you fail, then you know that, you know, my strength is small. And I, for some of us, God is teaching you endurance. He's teaching you endurance, even through this coronavirus thing, right? Endurance. Some of you, you're already failing the test. You're already grumpy, angry, fighting everybody. You're already just, you know, just calm down. It's not anybody's fault. I have issues, and I need God to work on that issue. If we do that, I think we're going to do better. God allows some of these things in our life. Now, our ability to embrace and acknowledge our weaknesses is a great virtue. It's a great virtue. You know, it's a great virtue. Uh, And unfortunately, many of us are lacking in that virtue. Our ability to say, you know, I am weak. I have challenges. I need help. That's a great virtue. That's why the Bible calls David a man after my heart. He says he has a tender heart. He has this ability to admit when he's confronted. He has the ability to say, you know what, to break down and say, in sin did my mother conceive me, creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I mean, he went into, that's a king. I mean, king had unlimited power in those days. I mean, he could actually throw the guy, Nathan, in jail for giving false prophecy, right? That you're telling me what, you know, that prophet that told him he could, he had the power to do that. But because he's someone that has the ability, that has to have virtue to acknowledge his weakness and to embrace it. Embracing means that I, I, it's my fault. All right? I have this weakness. All right? And that virtue is needed many times to really get to where God wants us to get to. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, whosoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know why many people don't prosper? Why many people don't do as well as God wants them to do? They are concealers. They conceal their weaknesses. They blame every other person for their own weakness. They conceal it. They they even try and give it a different name. You know, sometimes we conceal something by renaming it, right? You know, we rename it, we give it a different name. We say, oh, that's how I roll, that's my life, that's how I do things. Nobody can control me, nobody should do this, you know. Now, but people who confess and renounce, will say, this is not right. I, am, I have a way of doing this, all right? And the Bible says they will find mercy. I don't know about you. 
I need God's mercy. I don't know what I can do without his mercy. I need God's mercy. I don't, I don't want a day without his mercy in my life. I don't want a day. But mercy comes to people who learn to confess and renounce. Hallelujah. I still get, I'm still getting text. I just got a text now. He's being black in this present atmosphere and underlining condition. <laughs> um, we still have to get into Russia. Being black is not an underlining condition. All right? So, so it's not. It's a virtue. It's a blessing because God made you. Being black is, is God made you black. All right? It is. It's a blessing. I mean, some people are telling you it is. So if you accept it, then it will be. All right? So, uh, so you don't need to, I mean, and I need to let, we don't need to accept victim mentality. You know, we don't need to. Uh, you know, other people can think certain way about me. I don't need to accept that. I don't need, and fortunately, unfortunately, in, in this environment, so many blacks, I've also subscribed to a victim mentality that limits them, that tells them, you know what, I, I can't be anything in life. I can't. So why try when it's never going to happen? That's the victim mentality. Why, why will I try and, and get all these degrees when some white men, they are not going to let me do it? And this has been going on for a while. All right? It's been going on. I remember even when I moved to America, you know, I was told, uh, those jobs in newspaper, they are not for you uh, because you are black. I mean, this is another black person telling me to say, oh, you know what, you have a degree in engineering, oh, yeah, what? black person cannot have a job in engineering field in America. I was told this point blank. And I said, but there are jobs in newspaper. <laughs> those jobs, those jobs are just camouflage, camouflage. They just post those jobs so that, uh, you know, they can be legal. But they're already giving those jobs to people. I th- mind me, I just came. This is 98. I just came. But I said, that can't be right. H- how is that possible? I refused that. I rejected it. You know, eventually I got a job. Uh, you know, and... Uh, by the time I left working, I mean, to go into full-time ministry, I was doing so well. And there are so many people here who are doing so well. So it can be if you accept it, all right? Uh, you know, so, but we're talking about weaknesses that are, are part of our nature, part of our way of thinking, our sinful nature, our weaknesses, choices we make are very an underlining condition that are within us, all right? Our belief system, our thinking, all right? Very important. Your thinking, your belief system, your attitude can be your underlining condition. Your sin, right, can be, sins that you indulge in can be your underlining condition. They are. That can weaken you, all right? That, that prevent you from truly becoming what God wants you to become or that exacerbate any form of external pressure that is upon you. All right? So hopefully I was able to answer that. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so our ability to embrace and acknowledge our weakness is a great virtue. 
All right? And number five, which is my last point, if surrendered to God, weaknesses can become a great virtue. There are weaknesses that we have in life that God will not, ne- they will not necessarily leave. All right? Uh, but when we surrender, surrender them to God, God can turn it to something great. God can turn them around. Some, for example, someone can have a weakness of not being an orator. You know, those are weaknesses that we have. Uh, I'm not a very good speaker. For example, look at Moses. Moses said, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. All right? And God said, okay, I'm still going to use you anyway. Uh, God didn't take him, but God said, I'm going to give you Aaron, your brother, who is a good speaker, who is going to be your mouthpiece. But God said, you know what? You will be like God. Aaron will be your prophet. God can be amusing. God even turned into something nice. So, so you will just be like God, and Aaron will just be speaking on your behalf. So still go ahead. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, even our weaknesses, and there are so many people, God knows that we think, oh, I have this weakness, I have this. First of all, we must turn it to God. We must go to God to say, God, you know I'm not that smart. All right? I'm not that smart. I'm not that book smart. All right? But you're going to help me. Because I know you have made so many not book smart people succeed in life. I mean, that's, that's a way to go to God. That's a way to do. That's a way to prevent your weaknesses. You know, because some of the things we think are uh, hindrances, when surrendered to God, God can use them for his glory. God can, you know, God can use them for his glory. So, and that's what Apostle Paul did in Second uh, Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a turn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. We don't know exactly what that is, but he said, I was given a turn in the flesh. Three times I pleaded with God. But look at what he did with whatever it is. He said, I went to God three times and I pleaded with him, take it away from me. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Wow. Insult, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, our weakness actually allows us, allow us to rely on God. All right? Our weakness, rely, they, they allow us. Maybe you are weak when it comes to sex. You have tendency to just, you know, you don't have to succumb to it. Then you have to depend on God more in that area. You know, even if you're a married man, you're always tempted you know, you don't give in to that. You go before God and you depend on God. And you can depend on God to live a celibate life, a life that is, you know, that is, that is, that is, uh, that is holy to God in the confines of marriage. Maybe, you are, maybe yours is anger issue. You have a tendency to, to, to ruin relationship because of anger. I mean, you take it to God and you rely on God. So you know that you cannot rely on yourself. You must rely on God. Maybe your weakness is some natural weaknesses. You know, you're not, 
you know, the most uh, brilliant person education-wise, then you trust God. To say, God, if I succeed, then I will give you glory because I know it's you. And God has done that over and over. He has done great things through people who people despise, right? And there are so many people we despise, people everybody thought is nobody, everybody thought can't do much. God has done great things through them and is going to do it through you in Jesus' name. So we all have underlining condition that have the potential to limit us, have the potential to ruin us, you know, is, is in our Adamic nature. They have the potential to prevent us from becoming what God wants us to become. But we must do something about them. We must, first of all, not pretend they are not there, right? We must choose to deal with them. We must acknowledge them. We must not behave as if we are perfect. We are, no, no, we must acknowledge them, embrace them, choose, choose to deal with them. We must take them to God, you see, and allow God to exchange it for his own strength. That's why Apostle Paul says, when I am weak, I am strong because I have the strength of the Lord. May the strength of the Lord be upon you in the mighty name of Jesus. May you exchange your weaknesses for his strength. May you exchange every weakness in your life, everything that, that appears to be a limitation to your life. I pray that by the grace of the Lord, the Lord will replace them with his strength in Jesus' name. The Lord will break every power of sin, every besetting sin, every sin that hinders you. The Lord will break them in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord is a repairer of even foundation. Maybe you have foundational issue based on how you were raised, you know, based on things you were introduced to. Sometimes we suffer on things we were introduced to as young people, vices, you know, that is, that is, that is holding you down. The Lord has the power to break them. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I break the power of sin. I break the power of vices in anyone's life watching me right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. If anyone wants to really just surrender their life to Christ, if you're there watching me and you want to say, I just need Jesus in my life. I think I'm too weak. I think I'm too broken. I think I'm too messed up to become anything. But now I know if I surrender it to Jesus, if I surrender my life to Jesus, God can turn it to something good. That's the essence of this message. If you're watching me, no matter how bad you think you are, how messed up you think you are, maybe in sin or maybe in any other thing, I want to assure you, if you can give that life to Jesus, you can say, Jesus, have me. Have me. God will take that messed up life of yours and make it a message for his own glory. And I want you to just reach out to the screen and reach out and stretch your hands as I pray for you. I want you to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. I offer you my life. I release it to you completely. Exchange my weakness 
with your strength. And so shall it be in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.